my long story short, I had my first business. I was in the fitness and wellness industry for about 17 years. And I was really good at that. Um, but what I found is I was not good at business, meaning I, I didn't have the tools and the resources to really run a business. Um, and then on the personal end of things, just due to my personal life kind of falling apart, going through a divorce with an infant and a three-year-old. Um, so I really, when I say I lost everything, I lost everything. And that was just a huge shift. And it's one of those pivotal moments where you decide to go get a nine to five and do your thing. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't want to drop my kids off at six in the morning and pick them up at six at night, never see them and work a nine to five job that doesn't cover the bills. And so I struggled for a while and, you know, to figure out what I was doing, I came up with a Phoenix factor um, because people kept telling me I was a Phoenix, that I was able to reinvent myself. And I wanted to share that process. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We've got a great one in store for you. In case you happen to miss the last episode, here's a quick snippet, and then we will get on to the show. I used to own a brick and mortar business for five years. And the first year, it was amazing. I'm like, I'm getting paid to do what I love. This is awesome. But the specific business that I, I had, I was fortunate enough to have it grow at a really rapid rate. And so year two and three, I wind up becoming burnt out. And so I pretty much was like a slave to my business. Like I was, my business was running me and I wasn't running it. And so I had to get really honest with myself because I, I felt myself not happy. I was burnt out. I, my health wasn't like, I wasn't taking care of myself and just, I wasn't in a good place. Like the business was thriving, but me personally, I wasn't in a good place. Thank you so much, Brandy, for joining us today. And we, I'm so excited to be able to share a little more about the business that you're developing and how you've approached things. What is it that you do and how did you get started and why did you get passionate about what you're doing? Oh, wow. Um, well, I, I would say I've always been a passionate person, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if that passion came from the right, right place. So um, got into mindset coaching and what I'm doing now because I had the entrepreneurial spirit and didn't really know what to do with that. Um, my long story short, I had my first business. I was in the fitness and wellness industry for about 17 years. And I was really good at that. Um, but what I found is I was not good at business, meaning I, I didn't have the tools and the resources to really run a business. Um, and then on the personal end of things, just due to my personal life kind of falling apart, going through a divorce with an infant and a three-year-old. Um, so I really, when I say I lost everything, I lost everything. And that was just a huge shift. And it's one of those pivotal moments where you decide to go get a nine to five and do your thing. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't want to drop my kids off at six in the morning and pick them up at six at night and never see them and work a nine to five job that doesn't cover the bills. And so I struggled for a while and, you know, to figure out what I was doing, I came up with a Phoenix factor um, because people kept telling me I was a Phoenix, that I was able to reinvent myself. And I wanted to share that process, um, you know, with other, mainly with other women, but I do, I work with everyone. Um, but that's kind of where Girls on Fire 
Sprouted, which is my big, big project I'm, I'm working on right now. Um, but the Phoenix Factor is an agency, so we do coaching, consulting, and collaborative events. And what I am working towards is just like what you're doing, Errol, is really getting people to understand, yes, we love social media, and we love seeing everyone's content, but there's nothing like doing something in person, having the phone call, having the meeting, you know, having the network event, um, to really learn more and understand it's not about closing a deal, it's about creating your professional ecosystem. So really, that's what I'm doing now. Um, and just, it spurred me. I don't want anybody else to go through what I went through. Interesting. I want to get back to a couple of things that you said, but right there with what you said about really, I guess, getting into some of the fundamentals. Uh, you didn't actually say the fundamentals, but what you just shared there about actually having the conversation and seeing somebody in person, uh, Tell us more about why that's important. And there's so many people that are talking about shortcuts and easy ways and all these things. So why is it that we're looking at these types of fundamentals? I, I, and I think you'll find the, the experienced um, entrepreneur that's out there helping others, uh, like myself, um, knows there is no shortcut. And there is no three easy tips uh, to really succeed. I think there's tips to get to certain levels. And I think, you know, we all try to help everyone and simplify that. But um, the really the part that getting back to being in front of people is where, you know, I'm 46. So when I originally started business, that's what you had. We didn't have social media. Um, then it kind of turned into the social media age where everyone's communicating on the screen. And I think what it really is, is, you know, I'm a coach. If you take 10 coaches on social media, how do you differentiate who you really want to work with? You know, who really holds, um, you know, the value driven, you know, content that you're looking for, you can see that, but when you get in front of them in person and you have that that connection, you find out if you really want to work with them. Because once again, it's not about closing a deal. I'm not selling you a bottle of perfume and you're going about your way, right? I mean, I'm offering you an opportunity to work with me. And as you know, my you know my term I use now is creating an inferno. So that just that takes a lot of people, a lot of fuel, and a lot of fire. Yes, you know it's interesting. I've uh, recently been doing so much more online, and when when you do meet with somebody in person, uh, and I've worked with people in person really for my entire career, uh, but it's a different dynamic, and it's, it's there's something different almost too when you are interacting so much online and then you meet in person, and the vibe is different, and it's there's there's something probably there in terms of learning to be able to continue the process or to build. There's there's something there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, we have to do this. I mean, like you and I, it's not like we're worlds apart. I mean, we're a couple of hours apart. This allows us the opportunity to communicate. Um, you know, but for me, um, you know, I'm really a, more kind of about being a heart centered entrepreneur, which I think is still relatively new um, to a lot of people, but ultimately, you know, to not get burnout, um, to not drive away people because you're selling instead of telling, as I say, you know, not really bringing your why forward. And that's anything you do. Even, even people that are business professionals, not necessarily entrepreneurs, um, you know, it's like what, if you really take a step back, what makes you want to work with someone? And it's hard to gain or gauge that even if you're doing that through a screen all the time. But it happens. People are very successful that are working this way. But even right now, you and I can get a sense for each other's personality and demeanor. And, um, you know, we can crack jokes and things like that. You can't do that with a picture, right? Sure, sure, sure. And so it sounds like one of the, the key differentiating factors for some of the focus is bringing uh, an in-person 
event together where you're teaching and coaching and helping. Is that, is that about right? Yeah. And that's, well, that's, and that's why I developed the two entities that I have, the social social and girls on fire um, was really just to help them understand that, you know, make, I, I just keep going back to the term ecosystem, but then to understand that's how you thrive. Um, it's typically not just having one other person. Networking is about creating that group that you all thrive together. Very good. Interesting. So I would like to go back to this a little bit more about the 17 years you spent really focused in the fitness industry. And so what was it about that type of that type of business that you really thrived on or that you did really appreciate and that got you focused in doing that type of business at that time? Well, you know, what's funny is I really got into it because um, a lot of the women in my family were suffering from preventable diseases. And that's how I you know, originally got into it. I was equally unhealthy. Um, I mean, I, I was smoking, I was drinking, I was eating bad. I was doing all those things, you know, getting the freshman 15. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't want to end up like this. I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to be on 15 medications. Um, but ironically, I went and did everything except for what you're supposed to do, which is really work on your mindset. Why am I doing these things to myself? Why am I allowing myself to be unhealthy? Um, you know, so I got into personal training, then I switched to nutrition, then I moved over to uh, really, I was a corporate wellness facilitator for the last 11 years. And what I realized is it's not the exercise and the fitness, you know, and things like that and the nutrition. We know how to eat healthy. We know a salad with a lean meat is healthier than a cheeseburger and french fries. We know this. So why, why don't we choose the healthier meal. So I started getting into that mindset training and that's how I got into coaching. Interesting. I keep on hearing this theme regarding the mindset and from people that are coaching or just in general, when people are doing business, re-questioning the why, restructuring the process and this mindset. So what, what have you found really goes into bringing this concept up to somebody that's never thought about it and helping them I guess people that maybe realize it of how to structure in and approach the mindset restructuring to be more successful or to be I happier. Actually, yeah. So well, I have a very specific technique, the burn technique, because I, you know, I have, we have a very specific set of pillars we work from. Um, so um, we work on their beliefs, their limiting beliefs, um, you know, perceived obstacles, because sometimes they're not really obstacles. We just um, kind of allow them to be there. Uh, because believe it or not, some of us are fearful of success. We don't realize that, right? So we work through those things and then understanding where you got those from. Um, typically they are learned beliefs or learned behaviors. So we work, we work on that as well. And then really just your narrative. So that's, I think the hardest part is you have to really be able to call yourself out when you're working on your mindset. Um, because it's like a record that plays. Sometimes we're on autopilot. I always ask everyone, if you've ever walked around your house looking for your keys and you have no idea where your keys are, you're probably on autopilot. You sat them down during a time that you were not actually in an aware state of what you were doing. Um, so, you know, I just, the gentle approach, however, is always questions with me. When I first started coaching, I talked way too much. And, you know, I was like, you can do this. I was being the cheerleader or the trainer like I was, was in the past. And that just doesn't really work. When you're coaching someone, you still have to allow them to kind of come to their own answers with that. So it's just asking a lot of questions and peeling that onion and getting them to that core of what's really going on and 
that mindset and them being more committed to changing it than they are to being in that comfort zone. Got it. And so when you, now when you transition really to move into the, to the coaching and to approach that, um, what was that process like for you to move from where you're at into the coaching? What were some of the key ways that you were able to kind of focus on this information or resources that helped lead you down this path? Oh, uh, hundreds of resources. I, I just started studying and absorbing as much information as I possibly could. I will tell you some people that really created a lot of change. Um, Rich Lippin, um, the prosperous coach, um, love. I just, his technique worked for me. I, I actually just did another course of his on, uh, with, um, ever coach. And, uh, I've been a part of Lewis Howell's group, his inner circle group for quite some time now. Um, you know, I committed to, you know, studying a lot of people and I've had some excellent mentors. I got in some great groups like yours, um, you know, in your, your, uh, LinkedIn mastery group. I was in, uh, Richard Moore's group. I'm in um, Tony Watley's group. You know, just really to me, it's more just being open to that constant information, that feedback, and just having a really, I have two really, really strong mentors. Um, and the original shift for me, the original pivot for me was one of them looked at me and he said about it. Interesting. Yeah, what I'm hearing is, again, the community, the mentors, being around other people, and leveraging that community really to move you forward, but being open to receive that information. And I guess probably really execute on it. Execution and perseverance are key. Um, you know, I tell everyone, you know, a lot of people don't realize I, I started college, but I never graduated. I never got my degree, but for what I do, I'm like, anyone can read a book and study it. It's, 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 the, it's the word you just used, you know, how are you executing that? You know, what actionable steps are you taking and are they for your best interest or your clients? Because you really have to understand servant leadership if you're going to be a great coach. That's super interesting. What would you say somebody who says, what is servant leadership? I think, I think servant leadership is understanding that anything you're doing, the success lies on that person succeeding, not on, it's nothing, um, no, has nothing to do with monetary gain, uh, for sure. But for me, like my servant leadership, for example, in Girls on Fire is knowing that I'm creating an impact as a leader, serving what they need to excel. It has nothing to do with my personal needs for me to be able to feel, that is my success is the fact that they are succeeding. And of course, you know, if you actually go into the Greenleaf example of servant leadership, there's many qualities around that um, that he goes into that I can't really name them off right now. Um, long Friday for me, um, but, you know, they have very specific um, quadrants of servant leadership that they suggest that you work through. Interesting. Interesting. So, so from here for structuring out the business, now your business is growing and it's <laughs> starting to scale significantly. So tell us more about some of the initial challenges you had in structuring out the coaching business and, and practice and building out the, you know, the Phoenix factor. What were some of the initial challenges you had that you had to overcome to structure it so that it could be ready to scale? Um, you know, really, I will say I ran into these challenges early on. Um, and really that was just me for me personally. And I'm not saying this for every coach, um, I was kind of doing the onesies and twosies as I call it. And I realized I'm very strong in a group setting. 
So, you know, once again, going to the Girls on Fire groups, um, we limit it to 50, but we actually do coaching in that group. Um, and then scaling that is just me creating um, what I call a fire starter mindset coaching. So I'm really taking other people under my wing and just teaching them my approach, but they still have to make it their own. Um, I mean, our goal is 50 cities in the next three years with Girls on Fire. Um, we've already got 11 cities set up to roll out this year. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I don't know, as far as a challenge, I guess, unique, it's really uh, radical honesty is that I had to learn not to micromanage and just know that I ask the right questions um, and the people that are doing the coaching themselves. So I have, for example, Stacia, uh, Webb is one of the girls I brought on. I'm allowing her to kind of take over the operations, meaning you're in charge of everything. I'm not going to micromanage that. You're going to come back to me. If you're going to scale anything, you have to have a team. You have to build your own ecosystem and you have to trust that that ecosystem is in place. Um, once again, when you're coming from servant leadership, am I supporting the role that you're in so that the company can be successful, which means I will be successful. Um, so I think the biggest challenge is just finding the right people that align with what you're doing and making sure that you're paying attention to the reality of what people are going to do, not the potential of what they're going to do. Interesting. I almost feel like that could be broken down more. Like I would have questions about when you're talking about thinking about the potential of somebody uh, or the potential of a situation and reacting to that versus really being aware. Do you have any other thoughts on that that might be helpful for yeah, people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'll tell you why, because I, and, and the hardest lessons I learn is, you know, you don't hire friends and family uh, most of the time um, because we want to see the very best in the people closest to us. But um, people are going to show you how they're going to show up and you need to accept that. You know, um, I am very judgmental, and very critical as just my nature of, of, you know, when you do disc testing and I, and I know that. So I have to work from that place. I have to reverse engineer from there and really just put, you know, think about the business first. So, um, what I did differently this time, um, is I really went to a lot of people that I had no relationship with and I did a lot of research and I did a lot of listening. So when I met with them, they did almost all the talking and I allowed myself time to process it. And then, you know, I left flexible contracts for the first 90 days. Let's see if this really works for you. Does this align for you? Are you going to be happy? I just didn't even really make it about me. Um, because I feel like if you create that space for someone and they love what they do, once again, servant leadership, your company is going to be very successful. I love it. I love this conversation about servant leadership and how this applies. So much to be talked about there. Um, tell me this. So the with the business and with what you're doing, obviously, social media and leveraging these social platforms to be able to grow is a central piece. Yeah. So what thoughts do you have that would be helpful for other entrepreneurs they're not really sure how to leverage these tools or why to leverage them or how do you approach the conversation about social media and leveraging it to grow? Um, you know, once again, radical honesty, I just brought on someone to do that for me um, in what I call relationship marketing because I didn't want to be the person that was dropping into every single person's DM that followed me. I don't do that. I don't have those bots set up and, Things like that. A lot of people, that's how a lot of people are leveraging their social media. Um, I wanted to really, once again, kind of be a heart centered business and be authentic. Um, so I don't care how many people follow us anymore. I care how many people engage with us. So as far as, you know, that's really up to the person as far as how, 
what they want to build their business on. Um, if what I'm saying aligns with them, I would say to leverage it though, is to um, stay active, stay consistent and be authentic when you have people engaging with you. You should never have a comment on any of your social media that's not um, responded by you or your team. Um, you know, as you grow, it's not realistic to think that you're going to be able to respond to every single person, but if you have a good team, get everyone involved. So now we have, uh, for example, for the Phoenix Factor, we have Dan Willis on board who's doing the relationship marketing and we have three additional interns um, for because we have three platforms right now. And, um, you know, we're looking at having, I mean, I think, I don't even think we're at a thousand people on Instagram for Girls on Fire and I have way more engagement on there with, the, with 900 than I do with 18,000 on the other platform. And now why do you think that is? So how did you how did you do that? Any particular things that you would point out? I don't honestly think that's what I did. I think it's what it is. I think that women are looking for a space um, as scary as it is to get called out and, you know, um, pushed and as we say, light a fire, you know, under them to, to get moving. I, I think that deep down inside, they're like, I need this. This is what I need. Um, you know, for me, on my other platform, I think it's because I've pivoted a couple of times. So it just really depends on um, you know, the platform and what your message is, but the key is continuing to deliver your why. Um, just being very upfront. Um, a lot of people are scared to be authentic still because they feel like they're going to be judged. You're going to be judged anyway. You're not going to fit in. I, I, I love Sherry Robottom put a, um, a message out on LinkedIn the other day and she talked about that and I loved it because she said, look, you're, you're going to have a hater. You're going to have a naysayer. You're going to have someone that has something negative to say about your stuff. And I call it uh, analysis paralysis that a lot of people go through um, or the comparison coma. And I, so I coach my people uh, right now, like I have a couple of people that are doing startups. And I said, look, if you find yourself scrolling, it should be because you're researching or you're engaging. You should never just be going through to compare yourself to other people's things. So, I mean, if you really want to leverage um, your ego, <laughs> that's probably the best thing to pay attention to when you're, you know, looking at your business because it's just, um, there's no such thing as an overnight success. The people you see that are super successful have worked years. Um, I put a video out today and I told everybody, I said, look, a year and a half ago, I was managing a gym. I mean, I loved it. I mean, that's what I love to do, but I mean, I just decided I was done with that and I knew where I wanted to go and I went after it with everything I had. And trust me, I have had way more naysayers in the beginning than I had supporters for sure. Interesting. Interesting. So I know that you've had a focus on LinkedIn for, for maybe six months or so. I know that's been kind of a focus for you. And I know that you've had success on, you know, on building a brand on Instagram and just taking a look at these different platforms when you're talking with other people that need to leverage them, what, what would be any particular things that you would pull out to say these platforms are for this particular, like how, how do you succeed on the different platforms? Any feedback that you would give for, for somebody? Yeah, I, you know, I will tell you, I mean, you know, once again, just going off of what I, what I feel comfortable really talking to someone is I have a lot. Um, so in Girls on Fire, we have a lot of women that are involved in what we call side hustle or MLM or direct sales. Um, okay. But one of the things that they do on LinkedIn is they, I tell them, don't put it in your title. LinkedIn is a place to, once again, you're building a professional ecosystem. Um, I tell them to approach LinkedIn is how can I help you? How can I serve you? Just go into it, that attitude, not, Hey, here's my product or service or look at my abs, right? That's for Instagram, right? Um, 
you know, that's the picture. So Instagram is more like a magazine. If you want someone to see a magazine of your life or a magazine of your business, that's what Instagram is for. You got to catch them with a the picture, catch them with the video, and then hopefully you reel them in with your content. Um, I think Facebook is, is always just been Facebook. I think you can do amazing things, but the key with Facebook is exactly what you've been doing is you need to have a group that's hyper, you know, focused on one specific thing. Like yours is on LinkedIn. Um, I have a group called content confidence and clarity. It's really kind of like, stop making it so hard to build content. It's not that hard. You know, I teach people how to do that and have confidence in that and being crystal clear on their brand. And then that swings back around to LinkedIn. I think a lot of people are not clear about what they do. I see them posting videos of cats and cute kids and that's great, but I still don't understand what you do. I think that's so valuable what you just said and super interesting. You know, if you look at these platforms, they actually are very simple. They're just these platforms you put some type of content on and you got other people are engaging with, but really breaking down the, the mindset and the fundamentals of again, why you're on there, who you're trying to approach all these things. Those are actually the more difficult things to work on the mindset and to actually walk somebody through that. You can tell somebody complete your profile you know, do this, this, and this, but until you break that down in terms of the mindset and how you actually work somebody through that, you can't just tell somebody, take on this mindset. Don't do it that way. Do it this way. So that's a super helpful and uh, valuable thing to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of it. There's a lot of beta tests out on LinkedIn. You know, we know the live versions come Somebody went live today. I saw on LinkedIn, um, actually. And, uh, you know, you've got the, the, um, the slides, you know, the slide share, there's, there's a lot of those things. And, you know, I heard a lot of people griping and I'm like, look, uh, you know, I feel like I'm getting great um, traction. I'm obviously getting the exposure that I want right now um, because I've gotten more contracts off of LinkedIn than anything. Um, and as I mentioned to you, when we first came on, I just signed a, a contract to do a couple of national events with some people I'm super honored and very, very, very grateful to be working with. And we're going to launch that out in two weeks. Um, you know, we'll put the news out. Um, I, I can't, you know, say who it is right now, but just little things like that. But I think it was just the matter of, um, I don't follow the, the biggies like Oleg or uh, Bridget, or I see a lot of these people that constantly get tagged, but there's no reason for me not to work with them, but there's definitely no reason for me to work with them. There's no reason for me to put my energy into that. I'm putting my energy into the people that are going to, um, I can introduce them to someone that they need in their ecosystem, or I can ask for that introduction. And the key to that, which I think a lot of people miss on LinkedIn, is um, they feel like they have to be all business, and link, that's just not LinkedIn anymore. I think you you kind of bring both. You bring your personality, and you bring what your why is, and I know that aligns with your business, but you're not just being a stuffy business guy, right? It's just really changed a lot. Yeah, again, I, and I like this uh, concept of the ecosystem. So really bringing another term for the community and, and that being the focus. So, all right, well, great. Well, I think that really we, we got into quite a lot here. I would be curious, and I think other people would be too, that as you're expanding, as you're growing, uh, you know, uh, this brand and this business of yours, what challenges do you foresee going forward that may be there that you're concerned about or worried about or starting to plan for that may be in the future because of the scale that it's, that, that's about to take on. One of them was growing too fast um, and not being able to maintain our, our, our vision and our mission for the girls on fire and for the social, social. I was actually offered a franchise deal 
Um, and I ultimately decided to turn it down for that reason. Um, I felt like they were going to scale really fast and grow really fast. And a lot of people, you know, are like, oh my gosh, you're crazy. Um, but the money will come with that, but the money will be consistent. And we already had a very um, detailed foundation for this business. And I think that when you grow fast, people become a number. I don't think they become, they don't remain a face. And I didn't want to lose that. The other big challenges um, are just really the logistics, which has never been a strong suit. So I'm just making sure I bring on the right people to work with that. Um, I have a team of five now already. And so we'll probably be um, actually, you know, employing people within the next six months. Super interesting. Well, well very good. Well, I guess so from here, uh, anything else that you would like to share that you're, you're working on or thinking about or people that you're trying to with sort of what uh, anything that comes to mind for you there? I think the biggest thing is just, you know, for me um, is, you know, people understanding what we, what, what I mean by collaborative event agency is we want to help anyone as a business professional or as an entrepreneur understand that um, we're helping you leverage your social media and your business by having these events and create your own ecosystems in your area. Um, I know there's a lot of LinkedIn locals, but the thing is, is not everyone's on LinkedIn or knows how to use LinkedIn. You have 700 million people, I think, on LinkedIn now, but there's only a million active users. How are you going to reach those other people? You know, so that's really what we look at is just creating um, an ecosystem. Our tagline is, you know, get socially successful online and off. So you have to really work both. And, um, you know, just them finding a way and building it, like I said, getting into groups like you have and staying in them and staying super active until they have really found their traction and, and their path um, that they feel good. You'll know. You'll know when you find your true north because your content's going to be explosive. You're going to be meeting new people. I mean, like you, I think you meet new people. I mean, it seems like almost daily. You know, I have to share this. I, this was a first today is I got a message from somebody and they said, this was on Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of building on Instagram there. I got a message on Instagram and somebody said, Hey, you know, I'm a big fan of your podcast and I represent this company. The CEO is a, you know, as a former military, we have a, uh, this company that does this and we think you would really be great to, you know, share his mission and story really with the podcast. And so I'm thinking, wow, Somebody just reached out to me. I've never talked to them before. They're connected with the CEO of a, of, a, of a company, former military. I'm former military too. And the thing is that this is the exact type of person that I would love to be connected with and talk to. And there's so much that can come out of that. I never, it sort of came from there, but it's from this activity. And yeah, yeah. so absolutely every single day, uh, I'll share this too, is that when I really started off focusing on LinkedIn, my thought was, I set aside two hours a day, Monday through Friday, to just be available for calls. And I thought, I don't know how many of these I can book, but I know if I can get booked calls that I can have conversations, I can develop business. And what happened is I got every every one of the available calls booked for weeks and weeks. And then I was like, wow, this is powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is, don't be scared to ask. I mean, um, you know, I've been, gosh, I've been on so many podcasts just in the last four months. And, um, you know, I just always let people know I'm always up to be on your podcast. If, if you like my story and you like what I have to say, I definitely think I have value to bring, but I think a lot of people feel like, um, you know, they shouldn't ask, but you know, why not? What they're going to say, no. Okay. You move on to the next one, you know? 
Yeah, it's probably more of the mindset. There's a mindset to trying to grow, a mindset to leveraging the, the social media, a, right, a mindset of doing it the right way that's for the right reasons that people are going to like. And maybe, you know, just simply that people don't understand uh, yeah. some things and they just need to yeah. have, they need to have a coach to help them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, okay, well, I, I guess so from there. So if somebody wants to connect with you and they're, they're wanting to follow sort of what you're doing or what have you, what are the best ways for people to connect with you, Brandy? Yeah. So the Phoenix uh, com is our kind of what we call our mother, you know, company. And then of course we're representing the girls on fire. So um, the girls on fire network officially launches on March 30th on YouTube. Uh, we will be interviewing women from all over the world that are telling their, their story about how they got where they are and, and really sharing the real story not the overnight success part of that. Um, and then the socialpreneursocial.com. So that's for people that want to create those events in their area or be a part of ours. Um, we just help you create that, you know, same thing, that professional ecosystem. And um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, uh, definitely on LinkedIn, Facebook. So, um, and I, lo I love, I communicate on all of them. So it doesn't matter where people find me, I'll make sure I engage with you. That's great, that's great. Well, you know, I would say this. So as we were saying that, this was one thought that I'd wanted to kind of ask more about or just kind of share is with the ecosystem. So that concept, it is really interesting. And my, my experience so far has been that you engage with people and you've got to find a way to bring them back somewhere where in some way they're connected with you, but they're there. Mm -hmm. uh, so if, uh, I guess if somebody's just listening to it, they can't really see the, the hands, but essentially finding an area where you know that they're at, they know where you're at and you have a way of engaging with them more and more and more. And so this concept that you have with the ecosystem of engaging with them online, bringing them into connection and community offline and mm -hmm. having a place again, you build a brand, but then mm -hmm. finding a place to bring people back to, to engage with on a, you know, on, on an ongoing basis. Uh, that seems to be what's at the heart of all of this activity online and what people need to be doing uh, is creating that ecosystem. So I really like that concept a lot. Yeah. You don't, and you don't have to move them. I mean, if you think about the ecosystem of a small pond, you know, you've got things that are eating things that are eating things or that need things or need the sunlight or need the water. Or they have food. I mean, if you think about an actual real ecosystem, you know, people in your professional ecosystem may simply just be eating up your content. And then other people out there are your muse to feed the content. And then other people are sending you referrals and you're sending it to them. And some of them are your mentors. I mean, that's really what an ecosystem is. I mean, some, there's a mutually beneficial um, aspect regardless of where you fall into that ecosystem. And that's kind of how you look at it is, um, you know, there's, there's no, you know, when you look at a dictatorship, I mean, there's not one person there just saying this is how things have to be. Um, so everybody benefits from that. And there's no, there's no uh, hack or trick to get the ecosystem working consistently. I think, I think there is. I, I, think, I think one hack that I would say is I, I think is that you need to visualize what your ecosystem would be. I think you really need to get crystal clear on what is going to support your business and who you can support, you know, that would, once again, it just, it's, it's reciprocated. But I think, I think that the real hack is just um, creating a lot of pods and finding what works and what doesn't work. So, you know, I've done them on, I've done them on a lot of places um, where I pushed the pod, meaning, you know, we all agreed to help each other and support each other. They're doing it on all the platforms, um, but you have to find the right people, um, you know, for that to feed each other. So 
And I think the big thing is just being consistent. Um, when I mentioned earlier about potential over reality, some people will promise you, they'll overpromise and underdeliver. And it's not that they intentionally do that, but they just realize they can't hold it up. I put out a ton of content. It's hard for a lot of people to keep up with that. Yes, I hear that. <laughs> well, very good. All right. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for your time. And I think this was really valuable. Uh, I think we shared a lot of great information that's going to impact at least one person, but I'm sure a lot more. Awesome. So, thank you. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Mastery, where entrepreneurs go to network and learn how to attract their ideal clients via LinkedIn and broker powerful connections worldwide. Be sure to visit us at LinkedIn Mastery on Facebook. Be sure to replace the Y with three E's and join us at LinkedIn Mastery. Enjoy this sneak peek of the upcoming episode. And if you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe so you get first notification of all upcoming episodes. And if you really like us and you want to help more people hear us, be sure to write a review, a five-star review, and let everybody know how Errol helps entrepreneurs. You know, there's one client where we raised the price 86%. And so... They said, you know, they gulped. They had, there was a big silent moment in the room. They gulped and said, our customers won't pay. I said, well, maybe some won't, but some will. So we just got to figure out who that is. Um, and so we went through the process of identifying their target audience. And be, with that price increase, though, it reduced the amount of volume they had to sell by 70%. Because now they have more margin. Right? So now we don't have to work night and day to sell 1,000 units. Now we only have to sell 300 units to actually make a profit.